0: I mean, and them ladies who sacrifice their families and their lives and their jobs who are committed to this work. I do what I do. I don't know if I'm ready to go to Washington, D.C. and be (laughs) with lawyers and stand um, on trials and hear arguments and Hear the racist things that a corporation may have said to someone and fighting on people's behalves. I don't know if I don't know if I'm not built like that. My work is in the streets. My work is behind the chair. But we all got work to do.
1: Welcome to Boss Lux, a show where we are redefining professionalism and proving that natural hair and professionalism do coexist. Now, if you remember way back in our welcome episode, I told y'all that this is more than a podcast, and I really mean it. I'm on a mission to balance the scale in favor of black people so we can no longer have to ask for permission to be our true selves. But I'm not the only one doing this. All around the nation, people are talking about the Crown Act, a bill that prohibits hair discrimination in the workplace and in schools. While we're seeing... What looks like a new movement with this revitalized energy? This has actually been in the work for decades. On today's episode, I'm bringing a true legend in the hair game who has been doing the work in the streets to empower Black people for decades. I, I know y'all are going to enjoy this one. So, without further ado, welcome to episode nine, the King of Locks with Thando Fellin. Hello, hello everyone. My name is Walter Gainer II and I'm the host of Box Locks. We are, we are redefining professionalism and proving that natural hair and professionalism do coexist. Now, today I have a true legend with me and it um, goes by many names. Thando uh, Kefeli, Lockstar, King of Locks, and many more, but he's been blessing the world and helping people start their natural hair journey for a minute. Thando Kafeli, how are you doing today? what's up brother happy to be here lovely lovely now i have a bunch of questions to ask you i think you've led a very interesting journey you know usually we have people who are leaders um, bosses and in professional environments with natural hair but with you it's a little interesting because you actually help people get into their natural hair journey so I have a lot of questions to ask you. Really excited to kind of learn some real pro tips from the pro. But to start it all off, um, I would like to know what are three things that most people don't really know about you.
0: Three things. Number one, I'm always nervous during interviews. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yo, me too. I, I gotta hype myself up before each one. <laughs>
0: people think that I've been doing this so long and I'm well-versed and I always, that I'm confident, but, um, I'm very conscious of the things that I see on social media as a black man and a black natural hairstylist. Um, I don't want to fall into stereotypes and, um, I just want to be very clear on how I communicate
1: to the community. I mm. love that. I'm going to touch back in that in a second. Um, cause I have a couple of questions regarding that one. But um, let's move on to your, say what?
0: You asked me for three.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's go with number two. <laughs>
0: I'm super sensitive. Mm-hmm. I'm a Pisces. Um, I'm very cautious of my energy. Um, I share so much of my self as a self-esteem specialist um, that I have to be careful that I don't share too much of myself. I have to pull back sometimes. What um, people don't know about me um, I'm a hopeless romantic um desire to be in relationship, but because of work, I hardly make myself available. So you can find
1: me on Black Planet. no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Look up Vando Cai, lockstar King of Lots. you find <laughs> cool. That's actually funny. Um, number three, um, the last person that we interviewed on our show, uh, Vanity uh, Vanderfield, she she actually mentioned she was a hopeless romantic as well. And um, kind of had a nice little conversation about that. But um, to get back to the first one, I'd say always nervous to do interviews, which is something that I personally find interesting because I was literally just thinking today, like, man, I, I I've uh, this is the ninth official one. And I still get nervous before each one. And I just realized that this might be a thing that happens forever. Um, And it's interesting with you because you've been in a lot of big publications and interviews, uh, like the one with Men with Locks, Essence. I know you've had your work featured in big magazines like Sports Illustrated and working with some high-profile people. So um, what do you... I guess, what type of things do you do to kind of get yourself prepared and ready to do these interviews?
0: Uh, As the creator, uh, to guide my thoughts, um, I always stay in a, a place of humility, you know, thinking about the first time that I've ever did this, and now 20, 25 years later, People are still interested and feel that I have something to say. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to have been doing this for decades and to still be relevant. You know, I don't have 50,000 followers, you know, so the fact that I've created some kind of resume um, that people are still checking for me, it makes me feel good and um, good to be relevant in
1: 2020 oh yeah and your work really does speak for itself i guess it really is something when you don't even have to do any promo it's really just the people who um are kind of blessed to be in your booth they are out here just like yes this is my hairdo Cafele did it the king of locks check them out because i know um on our instagram page it i saw your name floating around but it wasn't until I think maybe like the third time we posted someone with locks, I was like, hold on, all of these people at a Cafelli doing their hair. It's like, okay, we definitely have to check him out, see what it is. And then when we saw your page and just saw all the people you've worked with, it's just really amazing. So yeah, you um, definitely are still relevant and I'm glad you're still getting your flowers, you know, because I think a lot of times we kind of rush to the new things that people don't really get the credit that they deserve. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Um, so and number two, um, I thought that was really interesting, everything you had to say. Um, I know my mom's a Pisces and I'm a Scorpio, so I feel like a lot of times Pisces and Scorpios, we have like a good like communication, kind of like feel each other and my everything. My mom is a Scorpio. Oh really? <laughs> oh, <Yo>, that's crazy. <laughs> wow. See, I knew this, this interview was gonna happen regardless. Um that's really cool. And another thing you mentioned was that you, we well, got refer to yourself as a self esteem specialist. Now, I think that was very interesting because um, I feel like with hair, oftentimes we don't even think about it at the beginning as anything that has to do with self esteem. But really, once you have like a really nice experience and people are complimenting your hair, it just does something to you internally. I think that was really cool. But um, what led you to kind of referring to yourself as a self esteem specialist? Because
0: we are, I am changing the hair set. I'm changing the mindset through the hair set.
1: Hmm changing the mindset through the hair set.
0: Yes. So when a brother comes in and if you refer to yourself or see yourself as a king it can only be heightened when you know how to wear your crown. When you're Mm -hmm. a sister you got to be easy in the consultation. Because so many of our sisters have so many challenges around just being with their natural hair. That we don't want to lose them in the consultation in hoping they get to choose themselves again, hoping that they choose their natural, God given hair again because that is the only way that they're gonna have healthy hair. You can go through all the choices and wearing other people's hair and the chemical processes, but the only way that our brothers and sisters are gonna have healthy hair is choosing natural hair.
1: that is very profound. Um, You said a couple different things there that I want to touch on. Um, The last one kind of choosing your hair. That's really the only way to have healthy hair. And it just makes me think about, I know with my life, I think that for a while, I try to follow other people's paths, Um, and not necessarily following other people's exact paths, but following recommendations and advice. And I think that something I recently learned and I think COVID actually kind of taught me that because it gave me the chance to really sit down with my own thoughts, but made me realize that all these different paths to take are great and they could work out, but they're not the same as choosing your own path. And I just you're really
0: choosing like yourself.
1: Yes. Like when you yeah.
0: choose your real hair, you're choosing yourself. And that's a part of the love. That's a part of the admiration. That's the part of the self-acknowledgement. That's a part of the self-esteem.
1: Yes. Yeah, I and always so- say hair love is self-love. So and I think you're really speaking to it in a whole new playing field. I love that. All right. Now, um, another thing you mentioned, and I don't know if this was conscious or not, but you mentioned with women choosing natural hair again um, what do you mean by like choosing it again
0: there was a time there's always been women who choose to use chemicals relaxers uh, relaxers but they get an opportunity to choose themselves again there there was a time where they were chemical free and so for whatever reason that they choose to put lie on the closest part of their bodies to their brain whatever That makes, however that uh, energizes you, um, makes you feel good, makes you feel different, Um, is causing damage to your health. And so in this new generation of natural hair, the things on social media and Facebook, everything is about style, 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 style. But nobody's talking. Well, not many people, or not people that I I haven't seen, people having real conversations about health, about healthy hair, about what chemicals do to our hair, how they, how sisters have to breathe them in. They they inhale them while it's on the scalp. Um, It goes into your bloodstream. possibilities of breast cancer um i just want sisters not just to know that natural hair in choosing and re-choosing natural hair you're choosing yourself and that's the only way you're choosing natural healthy hair
1: mm, i did not realize that kind of the chemicals that we put in hair can lead to breast cancer I never even would have imagined that the two could be so uh, related.
0: You got to be careful of the deodorant you put on the arms. You got to be everything has chemicals in it, and so you just gotta like be smarter than your smartphone and look at the ingredients and see if the ingredients in these products are causing a service or a disservice.
1: Hmm. I. I feel you. I know. um, So I think either beginning of this year or maybe late last year, I recently decided when washing my hair just to use straight black soap. And I think honestly, it's like some of the cleanest my scalp has ever been. But um, my girlfriend actually pointed out because she's natural that like a lot of these um, hair products they are made for black people, but the ingredient list is very long and has things that I can't pronounce. And you're right, there's just so much that people put in certain products that I personally feel is not necessary at all. But um, I think off side, we just don't know. We see it in the aisle at the grocery store and it's just like, oh yeah, cool. This is made for me, I'm gonna go ahead and use it. It says lock, says fro um, in the black section. But yeah, I like what you said about being smarter than your smartphone. Nice. Cool. Yeah,
0: now, black soap I... is uh, wonderful. Oh, yeah? But, you know, you have conversations and natural hairstylists are not using natural products.
1: Hmm. Interesting. So do you think... Oh, I never actually thought about this and like actually going to a salon, but would you... Recommend that people ask their stylists like what they're using for their own hair?
0: That should be asked during the, con- during the consultation.
1: Hmm.
0: So uh, that's a big piece that's missing from the industry as well is the consultation. The consultation if you are a client, a potential client, you're coming to me sharing your expectations. As the stylist, I'm supposed to listen attentively and be honest if I could fulfill your expectations.
1: Interesting. So. That's something I've never experienced, actually. So you'll actually let people know if you can't help them?
0: Yeah. It's not a given. But stylists have to be honest. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, we have to be the authority. But you as the client have to be savvy as well. So when someone has a consultation with me, I usually call it the first date. And our first date will determine if, if both of us wanna see each other again. <laughs> I like that. And so you're a client, you're having a consultation with me, you need to ask me a hundred questions. And just because I'm Kafele, the lock star, it doesn't mean you have to agree with everything I say. So you're welcome, because you're supposed to lead the consultation to say, Kafele, I don't believe that. This is what I think. This is what YouTube told me. This is what someone else told me. This is what I think. And we need to have a real consultation. because I want you as a client. If you respect my professionalism and my vision for you, Hmm. the stylist has to have a vision for the client. So one of my visions might be after I take a look at your locks and take a look at your hair. I'm not happy with the way it looks. I think your new growth is thin. I think the barber's cutting too close into your hairline. I think you're using, um, you're not using conditioner. I think you're scratching your scalp. I think you're over coloring. Give me six months. I wanna get your hair healthier. I guarantee you in six months, you're gonna see a change in your hair, hair changing the feel of your locks. Um, Your hair is going to be stronger. Just give me six months. Man, I got to have a vision. And you got to have a vision for me that every time that you come to be serviced. We're not just going to be gossiping. We're going to have some really interesting conversations. And we're going to have some conversations about your hair. Your hair's looking better, that's what's up. I know you're tying your hair down every night. I know you're moisturizing your hair. I know you're oiling your scalp. I know you're doing better. I know you're not keeping the styling for three months trying to hold it in. You know, it's, it's a relationship. And in the consultation, I'm supposed to sell you like a car salesman. You, I should be able to tell you a hundred reasons why I'm the best stylist for you. I supposed to be able to sell you like a car salesman. Mm-hmm. Cause I've had clients that I still have for 20 plus years. I've outlasted their spouses. I've watched their children grow up. Um, I've lasted longer than their doctors, their dentists. Um, I've become a part of their fabric. Man. But yeah, that the whole stylist um, client relationship has to be built on integrity, and it has to be built on trust.
1: I love that, and I see why you mentioned the consultation should be like the first date. Um, know as soon as you said that it made me realize you know what it really is like a real relationship because i know like when it comes to barbers and stylists like once you find that one person you don't even want to go look for other people you're like oh no this is my guy this is this is who i go to um but i think it's interesting how you were describing it because it's almost as if you are the family doctor that you go to forever and while you think you're just going in for a new style, like, oh, I have an interview coming up, had to look good, or just oh, time to twist it up again. Really, it's almost like you're helping them pursue a healthier life, starting through their hair and then going into their mind as well. Kind of back to what you mentioned about being a self-esteem specialist.
0: Because the honesty of it is, a lot of clients don't know. And... A lot of stylists don't know. You know, I don't allow clients to leave me and be a slave to Kefele. Meaning, you don't do nothing to your hair till you see me again. That doesn't work. You have to be a part of the process.
1: Mm. I
0: need you to do something
1: like a real relationship it's like
0: ways yeah you bring in something to the table and so if you were my client walter i need you to mist your hair not wet it mist it the same way that you would mist a plant to keep moisture on the leaves, I need you to keep moisture on your hair. Not wet it, just mist it, done. Moisture is not butter, it's not oil. Moisture is water. So if I ask you, what are you moisturizing your hair with? And you tell me some kind of oil or tell me some kind of shea butter,
1: I got it. You're not
0: moisturizing.
1: <laughs> oh, <compelling>. what? You... <laughs> All right. So let me ask you a question. Cause I have like a, basically just like almond oil and water. And sometimes I'll put like a, some type of essential oil in there too. But that's how I use to spritz my hair. But would you recommend just strictly water for like a daily misting? It
0: what, what, It's what works for you. If there's no water in whatever you're doing, then you're not moisturizing. But maybe that's not what your hair is asking for. So maybe your hair is like, I'm good with the moisture. I just want some oil. But when you start to have a relationship with your hair and your locks, you'll know, or your hair will tell you what it needs. As a stylist, I can't. Use almond oil because I would have to go to every single client and ask them, Were they allergic to nuts? So I have to be conscious of things that um, people have allergies to. Hmm. And so, you know, if you want to make your own oil, if you want to make your own concoction, and I Promote people to have relationships with their hair. Um, Just be conscious of the things that you're using. Ask yourself why you're making these choices. Um,
1: And if it works for
0: you, it works for you.
1: Nice. Interesting. What are some other things that you'd have to be careful for, like allergen-wise?
0: I think during the consultation, it's not about what I would look for. The client has to be forthcoming and, and just share what they're allergic to.
1: Mm. I guess that's why you say that the client really should be the one leading the consultation. Yeah. The stylist,
0: Cthulhu, should be quiet. The consultation should, should be so much of me just being quiet and listening. I want to listen to your product journey. I want to listen to your past experiences. I want to listen to what your desire is and what your vision is with me. I just want you to share your journey. And then I can make an assessment and give you the prescriptions.
1: I hear that,
0: man. So, yeah, I want to I know who your last stylist was. I don't want to, I don't want you to talk bad about them. I don't want you to discredit them, but I want to know what kind of experience you had with them. I want to know what kind of hair care you got from them or what kind of hair care did you not get from them? You know, I see people on social media every day, Instagram and Facebook. Lockstyle, 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 every single day. I had a sister who came from upstate New York, drove two hours to see me. And I had to tell her, you need to take a break on the lock styles. If he is not strong enough gotta let your hair rest. So for all the lock stylists in the industry who could be possibly listening to this podcast, every time your client sits in your chair, it doesn't have to be a style event. Sometimes just offer them good grooming. Let them wear their hair down. Just let it breathe. Let them get a chance to look at their locks. Let them see how they're growing or they're not growing. Let them touch them, feel them, smell them. Every event doesn't have to be a style session. It doesn't have to be pulled and rubber band and pinned and twisted and colored. Just let your locks breathe.
1: Hmm. I think that's really important uh, what you just said. I know um just even outside of a lock. So I think oftentimes people really try to make sure that it's almost like they always want to perform with their hair and make sure it looks like the best it can be. And so you see people who are doing all sorts of types of styles that really do look cool. But I know like sometimes with children, I think we kind of do a styles that pull a little too tight on their hair. And so like it creates like the, uh, what's it, attraction alopecia. And, um, and then also, I feel like trying to get a style too much, it could also be a self-esteem issue. Cause so I know a lot of times the new growth, people look at it as the kind of like, Oh man, I have to hide this. Or like when you're first starting your lock journey, like I remember I used to have one lock that sticked up and it was like my, like an antenna. And I was always embarrassed. I was like, man, I can't do anything about it. Try to put it down, try to like, um, not even braid it, but try to tuck it in under some others just to hide it. But, Um, yeah, I think we not necessarily look at our hair with disgust, but maybe like embarrassment. Um, and I think that's one thing that I want to start speaking on more. Um, I know someone who we've interviewed in the past, um, it's going to come up on the podcast soon, but she mentioned like, there's no such thing as the ugly face.
0: (laughs) There is nothing as an ugly face.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, that background looks good too. <laughs> <laughs> and so hard.
0: there is no ugly face, you know? Um, one of the things that I say all the time, you gain consciousness when you get it, you know? So if you're at a stage where you think your hair is ugly, I got it. You know, natural hair is the most misunderstood hair on the planet. Cosmetologists would say that our hair is dead. But how could hair that causes, causes so much controversy, so much upset, so much intrigue be dead? How could hair that gives off so much energy be dead? If you as a client think that you have ugly stages, you need a new stylist. You need a self-esteem specialist. You need someone who will culturally empower you through this journey. That's one thing about me, Kefele. I don't talk natural hair unless there's a conversation around culture. It doesn't happen. It never happens. If I'm talking about natural hair, I have to talk about African people. I have to talk about blackness. I have to talk about culture. I have no conversations about the kinky without speaking blackness, without speaking African. So you could say you have locks. No, I don't have locks. I have dreads. No, I don't have dreads. You have African locks. I empower my clients to speak from a cultural perspective.
1: I think that's oh, important. I don't
0: like the stage. Uh, my hair is too short. I look like a boy. Well, you're born from a man and a woman. And if you think, sister, that you look like a boy, probably your daddy's girl. And maybe you look just like your daddy. But your hair's not ugly. And there's nothing wrong with looking like boys. Even though that's not the goal, the understanding is you're born from a man and a woman. So there's a possibility that you can look like your dad, and i just rather you not speak it in disgust. Because us Black men, if you tell us we look like our mamas, we're proud. So yeah, there's just conversations that are not acceptable when service in the community. And that's allowing us to talk bad about our own hair. This is a stage. It's a little awkward. You know, you start your locks, they're like babies. Then they go through stages like teenagers. And then you evolve to mature locks like adults. But there has to be someone to guide you through the journey. Because we can't allow you to say negative things about our hair and our culture um, in the chair and in the street. Like, you come to me, Walter, you want a style. And you say, Kathele, um, I want a French roll in the back. You want an African roll. I don't do anything French, brother. Oh, I want some China bumps. No, you want some Bantu knots. Uh, just give me some, just give me some two strand twists. You want Nubian twists? Oh, I'm just here for a retwist it's more than a retwist. We don't refer to services in basic terms. You're here for an African grooming. You're here for a Nubian twist. Well, I'm here for some some gel coils. No, you're here for some African starter locks. Caucasians don't refer to anything they do from an African perspective. But we're quick to ask for our French roll. Oh, your coils look like, they look so nice. They look like Shirley Temple curls. What? No, they look like Aisha
1: curls. Yeah, that reminds me of that whole uh, Kardashian thing when she started wearing cornrows and she called it, um, I forgot what she called it, but she was referencing this uh, white woman who starred in a movie back in the 80s and was wearing Uh, African hairstyle. Um, That was my era, Bo Derek. Bo Derek, yeah, Bo Derek Bray, she called him. Man. Oh, do you you remember when um, that happened? Yes, sir. Man, do you remember the types of conversations that were being had around that time? And I guess also to give the listeners a little more information, that was um, I guess you could actually speak more on it, but there's a movie where um, um, she wore... Her stylist, I believe, was a black woman and kind of gave her these cornrows. And the media just went crazy over it, loved it, kind of gave her a lot of praise. But, of course, it was just a regular hairstyle for um, the black community, but white people were accepting it, which was very interesting because, you know, if a black person wore that hairstyle, it's immediately associated with criminal intent. Um, And, of course, it's still the same to this day, it seems like, because Kardashian, uh, Kim Kardashian wore it, and everyone's like, oh, it's amazing, oh, all this stuff. But it's really just... It's our hairstyle that's perceived from a different perspective. Well, when you say everyone, who is that? (laughs) You're right, actually. It wasn't everyone. It wasn't everyone. I think it's just certain media outlets who decided to really big it up. Um, But could you speak a little bit um, about the the time when that first happened?
0: I don't remember the year. And... um... I didn't have much to say on it. I don't even know if being a loctician was a part of my thinking or journey back then, but I've always been okay and flattered when other people want to imitate our culture. I mean, my thinking is just like, If you're a man, why would you not wanna look like the original black man? There's there's nobody more handsome than us. There's nobody more strong and masculine than us. We set the standard for masculinity. We set the standard for handsome. We set the standard for strength. Why would you not wanna imitate us? The black woman, nobody has a body like the black woman. Nobody has a smile like the black woman. Nobody has a heart like the black woman. Why would you not want to imitate her? And why would you not want to imitate the culture of people can be that could be the darkest the darkest chocolate cube to vanilla bean like me why would you not want to be that hmm. i left you speechless walter
1: that was an interesting perspective <laughs> yeah that was interesting um and i always like to give people like to really to say it all um That's very interesting. I think that I feel like a lot of people don't feel the same way. Um, And I know me personally, (laughs) I think that (laughs) yeah, but that's interesting. I think a lot of people, they I think sometimes people feel that I think sometimes like people don't really aren't really upset at the hairstyle, but more so just the energy around it and that people aren't giving white people the same energy they give different black people. So I definitely hear what you're saying. And I know me personally I don't necessarily mind people doing whatever they do with their hair. It's just always as long as there's the respect that comes with it. But I do like what you said. What like who what are you, you asking
0: the respect from?
1: Well, I think it's also a little contextual. So, and I think sometimes these, it really comes more with black women just wearing their own natural hair and natural hairstyles and getting ridiculed to kind of harsher treatments, um, not getting accepted into certain environments. But then you'll see someone who's um, white and wearing those same hairstyles who are getting accepted. So I think it's not even about the hairstyle itself, just the energy that comes with it and depending on who you are. But to be honest, that's really just a bigger issue on how people perceive black women and black men versus um, men and women from other races. It depends on who you ask, Walter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If that's you true.
0: ask a I don't really give a lot of energy to what white people think. i'm just concerned about what my people think and how we empower and how we speak and how we love each other
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that's my concern
1: i like that so how um to kind of speak towards empowerment because part of what we're looking to do is empower people who are in the professional settings and either have natural hair or really want to start embracing natural hair And I think a lot of times um, people are concerned that when they go natural, their jobs or interviews won't really accept them. Um, So what would you say to somebody who maybe wanted to have a consultation with you, but it was also kind of worried about how they're perceived at work or by other people?
0: If if employment means that you can't wear your natural hair at the moment, you need to be worried about your, your income, and your lifestyle and your living. You know, if it's clear that you are going to choose natural hair as a part of your daily of your life, and you're going to do co- corporate America, and you want a frame of professionalism and what that looks like, you gotta have serious consultations. So whoever your African groomer is, whether it's your barber, you need to go into the barber shop, you need to sit and have a conversation, look at the barber's work, This is the type of haircut that I desire. I'm in corporate America. I need to get a haircut every two weeks. Can I get an appointment? You know, this is is my professional life. I need to look good all the time and create a relationship with the barber. If it's a African braider, these are the styles that I'm comfortable with for business that look like professionalism for me. Can we have a conversation are you a professional braider, meaning you're going to shampoo me, condition me? I'm a, are you going to use Kanekalon hair? Are you going to use natural hair? Can we have a conversation around hair care? What do I do when I'm not seeing you? How do I maintain? If you're going to a loctician, this is my idea of what professionalism looks like to me. This is what I need every month. This is what I need every five weeks, every six weeks. Are you able to accommodate me? Will I have an, a, an appointment on a regular basis? Will you have a conversation with me around hair care within this whole setting? You have to manage and Mike will manage what professional looks like for you. And if you don't know, we're here to assist you and say, this is. These are your possibilities. Choose. Love that. The client, you have to be self-expressed. I have to be honest. And you have to trust me. Hmm. 75% of my clientele is Black men. I don't think, and I'm just speaking in my head, that nobody, when it comes to locks, styles black men better than me. No one. I've mastered black men and coaching them on how to wear their crown. And I've mastered trust. It's not easy getting black men to be flexible with styles. I've mastered that. I've mastered um, not crossing boundaries, not violating people's trust, making them feel safe, um, getting them to choose Outside of their comfort zone. Uh Kafela, you know, I, I, I like this style, but it's, it's just a little too feminine for me. I don't do anything masculine or feminine, brother. It's African. If this style is too African, I'll switch it up for you, bro. But anything that the sisters can do, I can put a twist on it and you can do it. Anything that the brothers can do, the sisters can do. I don't allow clients or guests to limit my creativity through conversations of gender and style. Styles are African. I had a brother um, come into a salon setting one day and uh, he was walking. He said, everybody in the shop was working. And um, I was, I was not available. I was available, but I wasn't working. And so he says, I'm here, I'm for walking. Anybody available to do my hair? I said, all the stylists are busy, but I'm available. He said, No, 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 thank you, brother. I said, Why? He said, No, I don't want no man doing my hair.
1: Hmm.
0: I said, Okay, I'm still available. Because I'm not a man. He said, what? I'm Superman. Yo, I like that. (laughs) So I had to coach my brother. Because we're all learning. Us stylists, we have to learn. We don't know it all. Clients, customers, they don't know it all. It's okay for you to have preference as long as your preference when you speak it, doesn't offend. So yeah, you can choose to have a, a female barber or you only want a, a female lactician or you only want to male this, but it's a way that you speak it that doesn't offend. So as right. a keeper of the culture, as a senior person in this natural hair industry, I'm responsible for the conversations I have with my people. So you don't move forward in life having these same conversations that could possibly offend.
1: And you sit down with a you're not just getting a hair treatment, not just learning about health, you're <laughs> learning how to walk in life, how to speak to people with respect. Yes.
0: Man, because you don't have no conscience and I don't want a man doing my hair. You don't you don't know how that makes me feel. How uh, you just spoke that on the salon floor in front of other people. hmm We got to be careful of the way we talk to each other. We're supposed to be family.
1: <laughs> right. And we all we got. I mean, there's other people to support us and everything, but we're really, at the end of the day, all we got, but we're also all we need. Because you don't want a man doing your hair? Bruh,
0: I can't save the world. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm clear. Everybody ain't my client. hmm I'm clear on that.
1: Man, did that guy end up becoming your client? No, sir. (laughs) 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 But
0: I got an apology. Mm. He didn't mean no harm. I didn't take it no harm. After the first... 15 seconds of my ego. <laughs> <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that actually reminds me of um, something you were telling me earlier, about a um, kind of like a mentoring program that you were kind of getting into or just really interested in or really bring into life. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about kind of what that program? would be, and um, what you would like to what kind of some of your goals were with it.
0: So the natural hair industry is pretty much run by black women. And pretty much the rest of the world is run by men. News, politics, education, Sports, everything is run by men, except for natural hair. The thing is, Black men are the ones who started wearing their hair natural first. Hmm. And that Madam C.J. Walker and Aaliyah Bundles were pioneers and trendsetters. But they were inspired by Black barbers. And so, there have been times in my journey where being a Black man in the natural hair movement, there's been times where I had to struggle to have a voice, Mm. you know? Black women run all of the product lines, they run all the hair shows. they lead the conversations. Um, And I was clear that I needed to have a voice in this industry. And so I wanted to get other black men who can do the mechanical But if you ask them to come on the Boss Locks podcast, they're not that well expressed because they haven't created a voice and a vision for who they are as a stylist. Hmm. I'm clear I'm a locktician, but I'm very clear I'm a self-esteem specialist. You know, I wanted black, I want black men to lead the conversations you know, just not the mechanical. Um, and though I've mentored quite a few on my journey. Um, I've also had the understanding that some blessings don't need to be shared. Hmm. Like the maybe this blessing is just for you. Maybe you need to be the voice for black men. You know, Um, but it takes a lot of responsibility, you know, leadership is not popular. So if you're coming into this industry to be liked, you're not ready
1: for leadership. Hmm. That's very interesting. You think that people oftentimes look at leadership almost more of a status than kind of what it truly means to really lead people?
0: I think people look at individuals. who are lead that are leaders and get uncomfortable that they don't see that in themselves. Hmm. I think there is a discomfort when um, you desire something for yourself, but that blessing or that moment was just not for you. You know, people say, you know, Kefele, I want to be just like you. Please, please, please be not like me. (laughs) Please. Just what you see on social media is what you see on social media. A lot of sleepless nights, you know. Um, I long to be with my family and friends. A lot of hours put in. Um, it's It's a lot. Be careful of what you ask for. Hmm. My road in natural hair—I've had a lot of unnatural moments. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man, what is it? Because um, that actually reminds me what you said early at the beginning about uh, kind of being a hopeless romantic but then also sometimes your um, your work and i guess kind of the life you're living um is not always as um what is the word maybe isn't always like healthy in some of like the past relationships that you've had was that what you were saying before
0: uh i'm a loner i don't have a lot of friends um I'm very, very private. Um so yeah. Uh I'm kinda married to my gray comb. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um I desire to be in a relationship, you know, working every day, every day, every day. And you know, you want you want a friend and some intimacy, you know. Right.
1: I definitely feel that. Insane. Yeah, I'm sure. I guess nothing left really is, and I guess it is always good to kind of have like that solid foundation, be able to share it with somebody else as well. Hmm. Interesting. So, um, kind of back to you were saying about how the natural hair industry is really kind of dominated by women. Um. And you, which is okay, but I think um, with everything in life there, it's good to have the balance. And I think because maybe women aren't always kind of the go to in other areas, it is good that there is. I mean, it's always good when there's a balance of in different perspectives shared, but um, what have some of your experiences been when you have tried to really um, step out and use your voice? in the industry.
0: You're talking about good experiences?
1: <laughs> good, bad, ugly um, experiences. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting, um, especially when you have things like the Crown Act that's being passed. And I would say I've noticed for the most part, it is women leading the conversation. But... With that being said, um, you know, for those who don't know, the Crown Act is a bill that's being passed that prohibits hair discrimination in workplaces and schools. And the first state to adopt it was California, and it was introduced by a woman with locks, Senator Holly Mitchell. So um, that was a Black woman who initiated that. So um, it seems like a lot of people who are initiating these things are women, but... um, And so I was really curious because I do see more and more women talking about it, but not as much, not as many men. And I know just in my personal journey, I think most of the people who have been my loctician were women. And there was only one black man. And I remember kind of being like, oh, wow, it's a black man who does hair. So I think it's just not as popular maybe for black men to get into styling hair. But I think like when, And see, that's Mm -hmm. that's where your speaking is. Mm -hmm.
0: I graduated from doing hair. I'm not a black man that just does hair. I do minds. I'm not just a black man that does hair. I do minds. There's a space and time where you do hair. And then you graduate and then you do minds. And so there were there's a lot of major. um, Miss Susan Peterkin, Miss Diane Bailey, there's been some sisters who's been committed to this work for a long time. Who have been influential. In the legislation of this. but I've been doing this for 30 years too. And the work that I've done has also been a contribution. And all the braiders and barbers and natural hair weave artists and locticians who have been putting this work in for decades, all of us have been a contribution to the Crown Act. If we've been doing this work with integrity and being fearless in getting people, our people to choose their hair, healthy hair, natural hair. We have all been a part of this Crown Act. And though no, I didn't have a part of in the legislation of it, but my part has been important as well.
1: Yes, it has. Yes it has. Man. And I see what you I see what you're saying now as well. Like I understood before, but now I really, really see. What do you say? Well you can tell me if I'm wrong for real, or if there's more to it, but it's almost like kind of what you said about social media earlier, You know, people are looking on social media and they see the highlights, but they don't really see everything that goes on behind the scenes and behind all of that. So um, I know with just all the conversations about hair right now, there's a lot of attention on the people who are passing the legislation as there should be. There's a lot of attention on people who've had a lot of negative experiences with natural hair in different types of environments and i think really those two people are really pushing the conversation forward but um then but that's leaving out a lot of people who kind of paved the way for natural hair to even be discussed about at all so like no they're not they're not being left out no no if you're doing everybody there's it's like
0: natural hair is like a pizza pie Mm. There's slices to this. Just do your slice. Just do the work that you're committed to. Just do the work that you say that you do. But just because somebody puts forth the legislation, that's their, that's their lane. We're all a contribution. So nobody's being left out. Nobody's being not acknowledged. We all do the work. Now, Mm -hmm. if you're not doing the work, then I got that you feel that way. Mm -hmm. Or if you're just hating, that somebody is like being fearless in their craft, in their commitment for us wearing our natural hair and having a complete freedom with it. I mean, and them ladies who sacrifice their families and their lives and their jobs who are committed to this work. I do what I do. I don't know if I'm ready to go to Washington, D.C. and be (laughs) with lawyers and stand um, on trials and hear arguments and Hear the racist things that a corporation may have said to someone, and fighting on people's behalfs. I don't know if I don't know if I'm not built like that. My work is in the streets. My work is behind the chair. But we all got work to do. The wisely said it best: "We got work to do."
1: Gotcha. Okay,
0: but so... the thing is, we have mm-hmm. to hold on to our culture. The Crown Act, or all of we have to hold on to our culture. And I just feel like the millennial generation has no it, has not enough close to no acknowledgement when it comes to culture. Like we're doing fabulous artistic styles on social media. But where does that come from? Do you know that that particular hairstyle that you're wearing means that only kings in Nigeria could wear that? Do you know that this particular hairstyle um, you're wearing comes from the uh, Kuti tribe? Or this style that you're wearing only queens can wear this style on wednesdays there's a there's a cultural reference to what we do so please stop saying you're the best in new jersey (laughs) you're the (laughs) best in texas stop thinking that you've created this there are people who have done this before you. There are people who have went to jail for doing natural hair, Miss Isis Brantley. There are people who have fought for legislation. There there is the foundation and the institution of Knapps Salon in Brooklyn, New York, Knapps, Kinky and Nappy which elevated to locks and chops. There are people who had vision for our hair and Black people from a cultural perspective. So for all the locticians, the braiders, the natural weave artists, please know that there are a generation of pioneers who have paved the way when there was no way. Please don't take for granted that you can just open up a natural hair salon. When there was a time when there was no concept of us servicing our natural hair as a business. Cosmetology schools teach nothing about black hair from a cultural perspective from a health perspective.
1: Mm -hmm. That is interesting. And it, you know, something I'm working on more behind the scenes is kind of putting together a series that does go back throughout um, the history just to touch on different cultures and periods of times and relating it to a certain hairstyle. Um, and you throughout this podcast, you've actually mentioned a lot of, um, names, some very important figures that I I know I'll have to go back and learn more about, but, um, just things like you just mentioned, like queen could only wear the certain hairstyle on Wednesdays. Those are things that I never even considered, um, being a thing. And it's, and I see what you mean, how people, and I'm part of the millennial generation where a lot of us don't know about the really the real symbolism behind the hairstyle that we're just able to get because of the time we live in. Um so what is and I think everyone listening should look into all the names that have been mentioned so far, but what where would you recommend somebody start looking and when I say that I mean like is there what would be like one culture or one hairstyle that you would like us to look into? One just to start lighter. off, yeah, just to start off.
0: As the client or a stylist?
1: Hmm. We'll go as the client. I think the stylist should probably know that one as well. For the client, I want you
0: to. I want you to consider having locks. I want the whole world to have locks. Oh, Kapele, the whole world can't have locks. Yes, they can. (laughs) (laughs) You know, having locks is you get to be in a real disciplined relationship with the hair that God gave you. You really get to, like, be with your hair. There's nothing to really do just to be. It's like a plant. All you got to do is love it. All you got to do is love it. And locks are just like so phenomenal. I'm at a crossroad road where I don't know if I want to do cornrows or start locks again. Um, Though I desire the artistic um, angle with cornrows, I really miss my locks.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, cornrows was a one hairstyle I never had with it growing up, but I wish I did. But you know, I myself have locks, so I'm gonna back that one up as well. Um, I feel like locks. I feel like locks really kind of force you into this journey of kind of discovering yourself and really accepting yourself as well if you didn't before. Um, I just know, like, we've touched on this a lot already, but just like as you go through the different phases of your lock journeys and you start to see them get longer, and sometimes those might be too thin to stand on your own, so you have to combine it with others. I just really love the lock journey in particular, um, just because of the lessons that you learn along the way. So I feel you. What was um so when when did you have locks? Like how long ago was it that um you had locks?
0: I cut my locks two years ago.
1: Oh really? Mm-hmm. Two years ago, why'd you cut them?
0: Uh getting rid of some energy. <laughs> I feel that. that that in my head I assumed were attached to my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, dude. You know, because, you know, I love black people. And whenever there's some not so good energy, one of the things is I'm going to cut my locks off. And maybe no, you just need to get rid of that energy <laughs> and keep your locks. Off. <laughs> but, you know, I had to figure out, like, am I creating drama around drama? Mm. But it was like, no, I'm ready to cut these locks and had um, locks for over 20 years. I made to do something different, but once I cut up, I sure do miss them. And it's hard navigating <laughs> <laughs> as the king of lock when you have no without
1: locks. locks. <laughs> hey, that's where you got <laughs> it.
0: Let the client speak for locks. you. And people are like, "What?
1: <laughs> right? Like, know, no, it. no. I swear, I swear. Look at my phone. See." <laughs>
0: But you yeah. know, after I give them a little history, then they understand
1: I'm still locked in. I think anyone listening to this right now can see why <laughs> you're called a king of lux. Yeah. Now um you have kind of speaking on your clients a little bit, you have you've really touched a lot of people's lives um, and have had your work not just displayed on Instagram, like I found you through different people on Instagram, but also had your work featured on Sports Illustrated. Um, Can you share some of the people that you've worked with in the past or kind of more high profile? So, yes,
0: I will share that. But the last time we spoke, uh, and you was like, I'll talk to you tomorrow and get ready to jump in the shower. Chrysandra, one of my models that you interviewed from Lockfest was sitting right next to me. <laughs> to- oh, wow. <laughs> and I called you right back to let her, like, she didn't remind me that she had worked with you. Um, but yes, some of the... Uh, highlights of my journey. Um, Most people know I was for a moment the personal stylist to Manny Ramirez, um, personal stylist to heavyweight champion Lennox Lewis, Um, CCH Pounder from Law and Order. Oh, wow. Um... J.R. Smith. Um, really? Yeah, I got to twist J.R. Smith's here. Um... Anthony Anderson. Um... Uh, Mr. Todrick Hall.
1: Todrick Hall. I saw, actually, you mentioned that in um interview. The lead of with...
0: Kinky Boots. Yeah. Um, RuPaul's Drag Race. Um... YouTube sensation, Mr. Todrick Hall. Um
1: He's an interesting person. He'd really. Hmm. I've, yeah. had
0: a, I've had some wonderful highlights, um, which are amazing in itself, because I have no manager. I have no agent. I have no publicist. This is all on referrals and based on energy, but nothing is more of a highlight um, than my clients who support me in everyday life. Um, the ones who have been coming to me 20 plus years, but if you just get past the 10 year mark, we got we got a good relationship.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And clients come and clients go and everybody's not gonna be with me for a long time. Sometimes people move to different cities, I have to refer them to different stylists, but I just want them to have an experience with me. Um, That's unforgettable. I want them to have have that rock star experience. I want them to, uh, I want them to trust me. I want us to have a friendship outside of the chair. You know, I want us to have some conversations, um, eat together, drink together. I just, I just want to have that anybody who sits in my chair has that block star experience, which is just based on energy.
1: Hmm. And honestly, I feel like it's hard. It's probably hard not to have that type of relationship with you um, if people are sitting in your chair and getting that. Type of energy that you have just shared through this podcast i can only imagine um that you I, I need to book a trip to new york <laughs> to get in your chair man but i
0: welcome that you fly me in because i love hotels <laughs> <laughs> i got
1: you we'll have um no, but one thing i, I, I like to I'll do sleep, with this is... mm-hmm.
0: i'll sleep on your floor i just need to get out of new york for a minute
1: i feel that <laughs> I got you, yeah. Yo. When this all clears up, I'm gonna have like a nice live event. I'm gonna let you know. I'm gonna keep you up to date, man. Right. Now um man, you I think that we've given the world a lot to sit on, to look back through. I know there's a list of names I'm gonna go through and just learn more about myself, but um is there anything else that you would like to share uh, with the world before we go?
0: I had a great time. It is really refreshing um, for the invitation. A lot of the people in my era, we don't usually get these kind of invitations. So to feel that you feel that I'm relevant and that I have something important to say still. It's an awesome feeling to be interviewed um by another black man who took the time to be committed to this interview. And when I say that, like you really asked me some really great questions. Like you didn't just roll over and say I, I got something to do today. Like I this interview was a real great value to me. I respect um, the insight on the questions, um, your professionalism, this streamyard thing that I've never been a part of before. <laughs> I mean, for people who's put the work in, I want to be appreciated, respected, and compensated. And you have made me feel super valued. Mm. Super valued. It was a pleasure doing this. Um, Thank you for not asking me whether I use clips or not. Thank you for not asking me, do I use rose water? Thank you for not asking me generic questions and for having a great thought provoking conversation that pushes the culture forward. Thank you, Boss Locks.
1: Man. Oh, thank you. You feel super valued, yeah? <laughs> wow. Yeah, man. Well, honestly, it's you. Mm. Man, I really appreciate that. You kind of left me speechless, man. But yeah, it's, I I had to have you on. And I'm really glad that I had you on this early as well. And you being the very first Loctician we've had on us, too. Because, um, yeah, I think that really this conversation about hair, it's, hair is really an important factor, but it's really the beginning. And I think you really get that. So um, yeah, I've learned a lot from you today, man, I really appreciate you coming on.
0: I'm glad I left you speechless. That, that's the art of the interviewee. Like, I want to leave you with something. But if there's any saying thank you is one thing. But making sure you get it, I want to make sure that you get it. Like, it, there's, there has to be a way that I can communicate to you how thankful and, I am and appreciative I am. And leaving you speechless, my job is
1: done. Thank you all for listening to Boss Locks, where we redefine professionalism and prove that natural hair and professionalism do coexist. You can learn more about Cafeli and then follow his journey by visiting BossLocks.org and scroll down until you see a post with his picture on it. There you can find links to his social pages and learn more about what he's up to. While you're on the website, why not send us a quick message, I'm, I'm for real, for real, go to the contact page and use the form to get the inside scoop on the Facebook group, learn more about what we're doing and literally just say hello. You know, we're all out here, social distancing. Well, some of us, I know I am. And, you know, it's just nice to connect with people. So uh, go to bosslocks.org. That is B-O-S-S-L-O-C-K-S.org. And make sure you're connected. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next time.